All right. Uh, today we're going to be talking about real investment. And no, this is not about the $1 billion uh, Jeff Bezos is investing in India, if you've been following the news. We're living in challenging times to make financial decisions, um, especially investment ones. And if you've been following the news, uh, there is absolutely no good story we can hear about any hope uh, that, that is possible in the future. And here's a, a story, if you've heard it before, forgive me, uh, but here's a story that probably describes our current markets, of course, with a hint of humor. Once upon a time, in a village, a man appeared and announced to the villagers that he would buy monkeys for $10 each. Yeah, you're following me? Uh, the villagers, seeing that there were so many monkeys around, went out to the forest, started catching them, and the man bought thousands at $10. As the supply started to diminish, the villagers stopped their effort. He further announced that he would now buy them for $20 a monkey. Um, this renewed the efforts uh, of the villagers and they started catching monkeys again. Soon the supply started to diminish and even further and they started going back to their farms and the offer now increased to $25 a monkey. And the supply of monkeys became so small that it was an effort to even find a monkey, forget catching one. Now the man now announced, he said he would buy monkeys at $50. However, since he was going to the city on business, he said his assistant would now buy the monkeys on behalf of him. So in his absence, the assistant told the villagers, look at all these monkeys that we have in this big cage that this man has collected. I will sell them to you at $35. When the man comes back, you can sell it back to him for $50. So the villagers really rounded up all their savings, they bought all the monkeys, and they never saw the man or the assistant again. It's dark humor, sorry. But <laughs> it sort of presents how uncertain uh, investments can be in the present market. And my wife and I are at a phase in life where we're starting to have this conversation about what our financial planning should look like um, and how we should go about these things. And trust me, we're still very far from building our portfolios and making those decisions. And I, for one, haven't yet taken too much interest in this. So if you're looking for any kind of uh, investment advice from this talk, I'm really sorry. Uh, there, there are many other financial planners here. They will help you. But what I'm planning to do for this talk is a dig, dig a little more deeper and see what the Bible actually uh, talks about handling uh, the money, the basics of handling our money and resources and address some real fears that we may have. Is that okay? We're going to be looking at a passage from the book of Luke. Uh, and this is, this is a book in the New Testament of the Bible where Jesus, the promised Messiah, came and he was living with them and he was teaching the truths of the kingdom, uh, the kingdom that he would bring, not an earthly kingdom, in a lot of stories, uh, a lot of parables. And, and today we'll be looking at one such story that he told. The passage will be on the screen for us. He also said to his disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager. And the charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Turn in an account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, 
Since my master is taking the management away from me, I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The, ma the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Slightly unsettling, let's address that in the talk. But before that, allow me to pray. Father, uh, we want to thank you because your word speaks life and it speaks life into situations even today. It is living and active and it is sharper than a double-edged sword. Uh, so would you speak to each of us sitting here, irrespective of whether we're followers of Jesus or not, Holy Spirit, you know our need. Uh, you know what our heart desperately needs. Would you meet us at a point of need this morning? In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Here's uh, the framework of today's talk. Firstly, we're going to be looking at the current reality. Then we look at the future security, and then we look at the guarantee and returns. Is that okay? Current reality, future security, guarantee, and returns. Let's dive straight in. What is the current reality? What is the current reality in the passage? This guy was wasting his possessions. And, and it came to the manager's notice, and the manager is now turning, asking him for an account of this. Some translations of the Bible use the word steward for manager. What's the truth? We are mere stewards of God's resources. How many of us can look at all that we have, look at everything that we have, our degrees, our, our bank balance, um, our families, everything, and say, this is 100% my earning. This is 100% my doing. I, I am a self-made man. I didn't take anyone's help. Nobody helped me in this process. This is all me. Can we actually say that? There have been people, uh, friends, family, community, etc., institutions, the schools we studied in, the colleges we went to, the banks that, uh, that take our money, save our money, lend us money, the investment companies, insurance companies, governments, hospitals, the various things in the society that made us who we are today. They played huge roles in what we are today. And this is not our own to possess. Uh, and, and we are mere stewards. How often do we have this realization when we look at our resources? Because we don't live in this stewardship mindset, we end up exploiting our resources. We develop a sense of entitlement. And, and uh, how many of us are actually uh, comfortable being accountable for the way we spend our money? Or for the way we, we, uh, we spend few of our other resources? 
What is the problem of the manager in this story? He took some decisions where he felt he was the owner, and that didn't sit well with the owner. What are the things in our lives that we can't really give an account for? Not just to God, probably to an, even another person in our life. We have all been dishonest managers of God's riches given to us in His grace. In assuming ownership instead of stewardship over all that He has given to us, we have messed things up. The sooner we realize this, the better it is for us and for people around us. Ownership brings a false sense of entitlement, while stewardship brings a sense of responsibility, accountability. Uh, whereas this, this false sense of entitlement, uh, you know how that ends up. And even if you're an explorer, I know you'll agree with me uh, with a resounding yes when I say we alone are responsible for the mess that is the world today. We have been terrible managers of it. This is the picture of the Amazon rainforest. And I know we've, we've, we've been hearing a lot about the Australian bushfire, but not too far ago, last year, we heard about this story uh, of how the Amazon rainforest was under fire. And, and uh, if you've been following this guy, Hassan Minhaj, on the Patriot Act, he did an episode on um, uh, Brazil and the Amazon, and he, uh, he's got a really good research team, and he put forward what could be the possible uh, reasons. And um, he said, this, this is, Amazon is often called the lungs of the world. And 60% and of Amazon rainforest is in Brazil. Now in Brazil, because uh, of the government and, and uh, the crony capitalist Batista brothers who own the JBF, uh, company, which is the world's largest meat packaging company, uh, to, to feed their cattle, they burn down these forests just to fulfill their own need for profit and making more money. And, and they, they, because just because they, own, they, they have 60% of the Amazon in them, they assumed ownership over it instead of being stewards and seeing how Amazon fits in the larger picture of the world. They've burnt it down and, and that's, that's, that's the map of how much the fires have, have affected uh, the, the Amazon rainforest. We have corrupt businessmen and politicians because they have assumed ownership over stewardship of people's resources. Think about us. How much of the resources that we do have that we exercise a false sense of entitlement on? What of our resources do we have that we do as we please with them? As followers of Jesus, we struggle with this. Um, I mean, even knowing this truth that we are stewards of Jesus, a couple of uh, weeks back, actually, when we were doing our family budget, uh, Taru and I noticed, uh, we put our budget and we, we saw what are we doing, um, and we noticed that we're tithing 15% of our income. And in that moment, I felt proud. I'm like, God, I hope you are seeing this. 
And in that very next moment, I was like, what? 100% of what I have is his. And I'm feeling proud about a 15%. And, and that, that showed me that I look at my finances as they are mine. And I am giving God. I exercise a false sense of entitlement over all that God has given me. And I'm pretty sure this is the same with us sitting here. If we made an inventory of all that we have and all that we own and actually start crossing off things that we can't take absolute 100% credit for, we will be left with an empty sheet. We will be actually like this manager says, my management is taken away from me. I am not strong enough to dig and I am now ashamed to beg. And friends, that is our reality. None of what we have is what we own. We are mere stewards of it. Our world will be a better place if we realize that. Let's look at what the manager immediately does. And this is, this is one proper Jugadu guy who will fit right in Bombay. And, and th let's look at how he's planning his future security. He says the manager immediately thinks on his feet and, and he, he says, let me, uh, let's, let's read the passage. Uh, he says, uh, sorry, it's not here. Uh, he says, let me start writing off the debts of all the people who owe my, my master. So he calls these guys, we've seen that in the passage, he shadily says, if you have 100, make it 80. If you have 80, make it 50. And, and, and he's like, if I am out of my job, these guys at least will welcome me. And this is what takes us by surprise. It is Jesus' application of, from this story. He says, the master... The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Let that sink in. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself. This is not a story anymore. This is Jesus telling his disciples. Then I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into their eternal dwellings. Let's get this clear. This is definitely God not commending dishonesty. We don't know how the story ends, and Jesus, in ending that story there, is making a very significant point. What is the point? The story is not about how we shouldn't be dishonest. The story is not about how to avoid being dishonest. The story assumes that we are dishonest. This is the story of the gospel. It's not good advice on how to avoid sin. It is good news that we are already sinners and a savior has come. Jesus is presenting the gospel here. He's not giving you a set of rules to avoid being dishonest. He assumes that we are already dishonest as we rightfully are. So what is Jesus actually saying here? He's saying, um, 
be shrewd now now that you know your current reality what is your current reality i don't own anything here these are not my resources and whatever god has given me i have already been dishonest with them i've been wasting them how do i now go the cambridge dictionary defines shrewd like this a clear understanding and a good judgment of a situation usually resulting in an advantage we've developed a clear understanding of what our present reality is what is jesus saying we ought to use our unrighteous wealth now you might look at your money and say it's not it's not unrighteous i pay my taxes on time i do everything on time friends everything on this side of eternity is sinful everything is messed up everything is corrupted our money whatever we earn everything is messed up this presence of sin still there so we ought to use our unrighteous wealth stuff that we've earned in this sinful and messed up world on this side of eternity all that we own to actually make friends with people of this world win them over with genuine love showing them the love of Jesus and walking with them from death to life they will enter eternity with us so when all this earthly wealth runs out and we all die we will be met and welcomed into the eternal homes of these people we walked over to life with doesn't it sound like a good investment plan it's hard <laughs> it's crazy this is shrewd thinking I, i understand i know that this sounds good in theory but we are all like this dishonest manager we are all shrewd when it comes to diligently planning for this world we we we've got our finances chalked out probably not me but we know how our finances look like we know uh, we are planning securities we are doing uh, we are planning these portfolios uh, in the future of my uh, kids and and their education and and marriage for a few of us and we are planning of being absolutely shrewd with our resources planning them so well for now and we're doing all of this from a place of fear and insecurity what if i will not be provide i'll not be able to provide in the future what if we run out of money these are real fears we spend days and nights just worrying how do i develop the best foolproof plan my children should never know my lack they should never know the lack these are these are some real fears and we are planning for them in fact our insecurities and fears about our earthly future reveal our unbelief in the eternal future our biggest fear is that one day our resources will fail us our finances will run out hey this chapter pushes this fear further notice the word that is used in this passage so that when it fails 
It's not saying so that if it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. It says when it fails. Our earthly finances and resources are designed to fail us if all our hope is in them. They are not created for eternity. We are. How do we know this? How do we know that they will fail us? We, we've, seen, we've seen the richest people in the world in helpless places. All the money and resources don't come to help when you're struck with a terminal disease. We've seen how famous people with all the wealth that we can ever desire for taking their own life or even terribly living this life but being dead on inside. Our finances and resources are designed to one day fail us. But here's the thing. If our fear is crippling us, Jesus is replacing this fear not just with mere provision of temporary resources. But he's inviting us to put our trust in the eternal ones. What is the practical answer to replace our fears about money, resources, uh, uh, with faith and security? What is the practical answer? The passage doesn't seem to suggest not uh, diversing your portfolio, uh, increase your saving, control your spending. Don't hear me wrong, these are all good things and we need to do this. But our hopes cannot be ultimately pinned on them. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, actually spend it. Invest it in people. Invest it in making friends. Invest it in walking from people, walking with people from death to life. This is real investment, friends. A real investment is one where we risk losing earthly wealth, which will one day fail us to gain eternal friends. If you're thinking, you've got to be kidding me. If the only way to overcome my financial fears is by parting with them and spending with them, I can't do this. This is where faith kicks in. You know, in our little experience of being married, um, there have been times where I've, I've struggled with this. I've battled with this. Uh, my wife, Taru, can be easily generous. Uh, but I am constantly planning out how am I going to, how are we going to go past this month? And, and believe me, uh, there have been months where like, how are we even going to go past this? Like, how? God, you need to show up. And you know how God shows up? By providing opportunities for us to be generous. In these seasons, from, two, from almost a year and two months of being married, from personal experience, I can tell you, friends, in faith, when you make these real investments of, of risking your earthly wealth and investing in eternal returns, in eternal friends, God will provide. The wealth of the nations are His. Ultimately, he is the provider. We are stewards. You know, when you realize that I haven't earned this, it will free us of saying, I don't need to guard them. When we start thinking God provided them, we know that he will provide and he will continue 
to provide. In those busy moments, in those hard moments uh, of, of having to invest in people in tight seasons, the only thing that kept us going is the guarantee and the anticipated joy of returns. The guarantee for our security comes from the real investment that was made by the ultimate perfect manager. Even though we fail to be perfect managers of God's resources, uh, one man walked on this earth and he didn't fail to do so. He perfectly handled everything that God put in his care. Our utter failure in doing so has amounted to a crippling debt towards God. A debt we can never ever pay off. Realizing our inability to pay this debt, realizing our inability to actually start earning, realizing our, our, our weakness in actually shameful poverty if everything is taken away from us, he chose to come in. He chose not just to reduce the debts like that dishonest manager, he chose to write them off completely. He chose to, he chose to pay for this debt with his very own life. Jesus paid it all when he died on that cross. All our debt is written off. Our slate is clean. And Jesus bought us as his friends with his investment he made. His perfect life was the price paid for our flawed and broken life. And the story doesn't stop there. With the riches and the perfect and, 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 flaw, and with the riches of his perfect and flawless life, he earned the place that he's talking about in eternity. He's earned for us eternal dwellings. And this is the guarantee. This is the guarantee. The guarantee on our investment is the perfect ultimate investment Jesus made into us on the cross with his own life. Unlike the dishonest manager who was in a desperate place and didn't have anything to lose, Jesus lost everything. He willingly gave up his eternal dwelling and stepped down onto the earth. He willingly gave up his perfect relationship with the Father to be forsaken by him when he took our sin on the cross. It cost Jesus everything. And that's the guarantee we have on our investment. He is the one who provides. He gave up everything for, the Bible says, the joy that was set before him. The joy of us, his bride, being redeemed. The joy of welcoming as, us as his perfect brothers and sisters, as the perfect sons and daughters of the living God and spend an eternity with him. This was the ultimate real investment. Friends, picture this with me. Picture the joy that is set before us this morning. The passage says, when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. 
Imagine at this time, at, at, at the end of our time on this earth, when we die or Jesus comes to take us back home. Imagine walking down the streets of heaven and there there are people who look at you and say, hey, I'm here because of you today. Come home, celebrate, let's celebrate. This is eternal party. I'm here because of you. I'm here because you decided to pour your resources into me and my life. What a joy that will be. What a joy that will be. When was the last time we made a real investment? The one where we risk losing our earthly resources to gain eternal friends. If you're an explorer this morning, I'm sure this whole, uh, this, this good news of Jesus is kind of unsettling. Who in their right mind would look, up, would look at messed up and broken goods and say, I want to invest in them? Imagine, uh, uh, imagine if Jeff Bezos said, I'm going to sell everything, all that I have, get all my resources together and invest them in Dharavi. As broken and flawed as it is, I'm selling everything, giving everything up and investing in your brokenness, in your flawedness. Jesus did that with us, friends, to a greater degree. We had no worth in us, but he chose to invest in these broken goods. This morning, if you, if you really feel that leave alone someone else, I am not willing to bet on my own life. I am so messed up. I can't seem to get my act together. Jesus is saying, I choose you. I choose you. I died. My life, I paid for you. Would you like to welcome this Jesus? Would you like to try this Jesus? Would you like to come to this Jesus? If you're a follower of Jesus, one way we respond to this love is through the discipline, through the means of grace, that is tithing. Tithing is real investment, friends. If you tell your non-Christian friends, I set aside 10% of my income, for all that I earn, and give it back to God, they, they will freak out. They're like, what? 10%? That's a lot of money. It doesn't seem to make sense. But tithing is the real investment we are making of risking our earthly resources to make eternal ones. We as a church here are together on a mission. We as a church here are here to make friends for eternity. This mission that God instilled for us is a community thing. And tithing is that real investment. I know that these fears uh, with, with tithing are real. I'm not able to make enough to just live. How can I even take out 10% friends? That is the real investment. And Jesus is the guarantee. His broken life is the guarantee on the investment that you're making. 
if a few of us uh, have been regularly tithing and, and uh, have been regularly giving, and in fact, if, if New City is here today, it was God working through the finances of few faithful people who chose to pour in, to pour in and pour in. If we've been regularly tithing, probably just like I have, probably we've developed that sense of entitlement. Now that this 10% is gone, this 90% is mine. But Jesus is inviting us to make real investments with our 90%, because all the 100% is his. Are we willing to make these real investments? Allow me to pray. Jesus, we worship you this morning. We worship you because when we ourselves didn't see worth in ourselves, you decided to pay while we were still sinners, while we were still messed up and broken, you decided to step into our brokenness and give your life. We worship you because it is you, Jesus, it is you that owns our money. We worship you because it is you who have provided them. We worship you because it is you who gives us the grace to also make these investments. We don't need to try with our own ability. We don't need to face our fears with our own found faith. We can rest and rely on the finished work of the cross, on the finished work of the cross, which is the ultimate guarantee on our investment. Thank you, Jesus, for inviting us into these eternal dwellings, to these eternal dwellings. One day, our money, our resources may fail us, but we have a glorious hope. Holy Spirit, may this truth of this eternity burn bright in our hearts. Burn bright in those moments when we are struggling, in those moments when we don't know where or how we're going to pass this month, in the moments where we are spending and celebrating and, and uh, when, we are, when our cups are full, even in those moments, Holy Spirit, burn the truth of eternity bright in our hearts. Our hope, our joy, and our, our, our passion is for this city, Jesus. We want to make a real investment in Mumbai. We want to risk our earthly wealth to make a real investment and make eternal friends in the city of Mumbai. Would you give us the grace to do that? Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen.